So before we start, I'll just state for the record that my name is Ben Bauman. I'm here in Muncie, Indiana at the home of Mr. Van Smith, who I'll be interviewing today. And today's date is January 30th, 2020. All right, so to get started, if you could just tell me about when and where you were born. Ben, I was born in Oneida, New York, right? The exact mm -hmm. geographic center of the state of New York. Wow, okay. Interesting. And uh, what were your parents' names? My parents were Paul Smith and his wife Rita Smith. Okay. And was your were your parents originally from New York as well? Or? Uh, my father was from Binghamton, New York, had gone to Syracuse University, graduated, came to Oneida to a run the shoe store. He had joined a shoe manufacturing company and was sent to Oneida to manage the shoe store. Mm -hmm. And my mother uh, went to high school in Oneida and then went to work for the Oneida community, the big employer in town. She was an had an administrative job, mm -hmm. met the shoe store manager, and wow. that was <laughs> that was the merge. Oh, okay, wow, interesting. The, uh, uh, quite soon after that, I was I was born uh, soon after they married, uh, right. year or so after they were married, and my dad died just before I was two years oh, old. Okay. Wow. So um, the household became my grandmother, who worked in the casket factory in Oneida, wow. sewing linings, became the, the homemaker. My mother continued her job, and I was the, the kid at home for both of them to take care of. So we grew up in that sense. Sure. Okay. Very interesting. And uh, where did your family hail from before New York? Uh, they were all uh, really New York. Okay. My, my sure. dad's parents came from Watertown, New York. Okay. And my dad's Father, my dad was an only child. His father and mother lived in Watertown, where his dad ran a glove manufacturing mm -hmm. company. Sure. They had uh, just the one child, my dad. And <clears throat> the fortunate thing in all the misfortunes of early deaths, um, my grandfather and grandmother passed away and owned their own home, mm -hmm. which uh, when everything was settled, uh, left about $10,000 in trust for mm -hmm. their one grandchild. Wow, okay. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother uh, had early in life had dated, earlier in life had dated a lawyer in Oneida, so that lawyer became my trustee. Okay. And that was, uh, that $10,000 became the the vehicle mm -hmm. 
for me later to go to Colgate University, oh, okay. which is just down the road yeah. from Oneida. Great. And the uh, cost about, total cost in those days was about $10,000. So my Perfect. four years of Colgate came from my grandfather's house. And wow. That was uh, interesting. Okay. The story. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. And how did you get to Indiana? Um, my mother remarried uh, later in life to a gentleman who I had known uh, for many, many years and had been one of those great guys I would go to. I, he and his wife were, were uh, always sort of semi-part of the family. and. He would write the applications for me, and he encouraged me to go to Colgate, and mm -hmm. so I'm not a college guy himself, but he'd play golf with the trustee at Colgate, and mm -hmm. that's how I happened to go there. But uh, he uh, he lost his wife, and mm -hmm. in uh, 19... Um, Forty-eight. In the middle of the examination week at the end of my sophomore year in Colgate, they were married and they came to Colgate and uh, they got married, came and had their reception there in the middle of exam week, I remember. Wow. <laughs> and we were all close friends and uh, mm -hmm. it, it was a great occasion for me to pick up a stepfather. Sure. That stepfather uh, became, uh, shortly after that, mm -hmm. the president of the Wallace Solar Company, made mm. flatware okay. in Connecticut. And mm. uh, as time went on, why, uh, he attempted to purchase that company from the family that owned it mm -hmm. and never could come to any conclusions about it. But he did, uh, he was well known in the flatware business, knife, fork, spoon business. And there was a company in Muncie, Indiana called uh -huh. Ontario Silver. And he did uh, make some uh, offers to buy that from the owner. Mm -hmm. uh, my stepfather uh, made an offer for this Ontario company in Muncie and mm -hmm. while they offered a purchase didn't work, they offered him a chance to come out. They needed somebody to run it. And they mm -hmm. wanted him to come out and run that, told him, if you run that, spend half your time there, we'll split whatever you can make it in that business with you. Mm -hmm. So he came out here half-time, the other half-time he lived in Connecticut where he had been the head of the Wallace Company. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they were out here. I, uh, my experience took me from Colgate um, and I should probably follow that up and mm -hmm. where I match my stepfather. 
Um, I graduated from Colgate June 10th, 1950. Mm -hmm. And I had two job offers, each with a bank from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And I had the, the, I felt big because I could make a choice to which one of those I was going to take. Mm -hmm. And I was scheduled before the end of May, of June, excuse me, to, to, to make that decision. And then on the 25th day of June, 1950, uh, Truman started the Korean War, mm -hmm. and I knew I was 1A <laughs> oh, okay. to be drafted, yep. and I pictured myself digging trenches and sure. holes and eating yeah. hard stuff, and I decided I ought to do something, so I enlisted oh, okay. uh, in the Air Force yeah. and uh, went away to Lackland Air Force Base mm -hmm. is all good people going to the Air Force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, went through training in Lackland and yeah. um, all this time my father and mother uh, were coming out and spending half time in uh, Muncie, Indiana, and okay. halftime in Wallingford, Connecticut. Sure. And he was uh, running this little plant called Ontario Silver in mm -hmm. Muncie, Indiana. Interesting. I got out of, uh, uh, had an interesting time in the Air Force, spent uh, the first year or so going through basic and earned, mm -hmm. uh, finally earned one stripe. Okay, great. And I uh, got called down to the orderly room one day, and uh, mm -hmm. the uh, master sergeant who was running the orderly room said, uh, when I walked up to his desk, he stood up and said, Sir, I have orders here promoting you to second lieutenant. Mm -hmm. So I said, Thank you. I got a drug <laughs> commission. And, tore my one stripe off that shirt and put a bar on and bought a bar and put it on. Wow. And that was the training I had, but I became a second lieutenant. And wow. uh, then traveled around for two or three years, got out. And when I got out of uh, uh, the service, uh, I got out uh, when the Korean War started. Uh, I was doing personnel work and I noticed new regs were coming that said people with a four-year commitment, which I had, mm -hmm. could, uh, since they wanted to downgrade the size of the Air Force, mm -hmm. you could petition to get out after three years, which I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I got out surprisingly a year earlier Wow. as a first lieutenant mm -hmm. and decided I want to go to law school. Well, I got out uh, in... It was just a late spring in, uh, that would have been 53. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I went to Yale, talked to the people, mm -hmm. and they said, oh, that's great, uh, nice transcript. Why don't you come next year? Because we already have our class. Mm, okay. And I was getting that story when sure. I went around. So I, one of the places I stopped was in... Washington, D.C. at Georgetown Law School. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in the
room in the administrative area of the law school. Right. And uh, this Jesuit priest came walking by and said, Hi. And I said, Hi, Father. <laughs> and he said, Well, what are you doing here? And I said, Well, I just got a little service and I'm trying to get yeah. in, into law school. And he said, Come in, sit down. Mm -hmm. Well, he had to be the dean of the law school. Oh, wow. Father uh, was just great to me and uh, uh -huh. said, we can get you in the law school, I think, and after he looked at the transcript. Yeah. And wow. So I said, great. And I began law school in the fall of 54, okay. it would have been. And, and being a veteran, I could go to night school and day school. Mm -hmm. So in two years, I finished the three years of law school by going to day and the night school. Wow. Okay. Without ever diminishing my real desire to make Budweiser the most profitable company in America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bought sufficiently beer during that yeah. period. <laughs> yeah. Not work, not work too hard. Yeah. Not work hard enough to, to finish the three years in two years. Sure. And in D.C., if you were a veteran, mm -hmm. you could take the bar before you graduated from law school in your last semester if you were a veteran. So I took the bar, passed sure. the bar, and in 24 months I had my law degree and was a member of the bar. Mm -hmm. and Interesting. So we... That uh, is, yeah. Uh, then I went back to. I thought, what I want to do is go out and visit my stepfather sure. and mother who were living in Muncie, Indiana. So I came out here to visit. Thought I'd maybe take three weeks or something. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to. I had never become that acquainted with mm -hmm. my stepfather, sure. and I really liked him, and he was a good buddy, so uh, much older than I was. Mm -hmm. So I came out, and uh, he said, I've got a guy downtown I want you to meet who uh, and uh, have lunch with. I said, okay. fine, I said, a lawyer. So I went downtown and had lunch with in Muncie, Indiana, a stranger to the town, with a guy named Ray Clark, who was uh, a lawyer mm -hmm. in Muncie. And uh, we talked a little bit about general stuff. And at the end, he said, uh, I want to show you our office. And I said, fine. So we went to the office, and he had one vacant room there. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll put some furniture in here, and you can come and he said, you can get acquainted. He and my stepfather were good friends. He I, said, yeah, come yeah. on out and get acquainted with your folks. You've never had a chance to get acquainted with them. And I said, oh, no. And I had told him my plan was to go to Connecticut or New York to practice. Right. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. Young guys right out of law school don't know their tuck us from a hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. So uh, why don't you just stay here one year, mm -hmm. and then you can go to New York and Connecticut, and when you sit down to uh, interview, mm -hmm. you can say, oh, I'm, you know, I already have, mm -hmm. I've done a case or two, and I've yeah. written a will, and I've uh, been to a trial, and I've mm -hmm. 
So he said, you be way ahead of those guys coming right out of school. Sure, sure. And it sounded interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. So I sat down and yeah. went to work practicing law in Muncie, Indiana, yeah. living with my new my stepfather and my yeah. mom. Okay, wow. Interesting, yeah. Got interested in the Muncie community mm -hmm. and um, from from the standpoint of the legislature or politics, right. I uh, immediately became interested in, yeah. in the politics. My grandmother, that was such mm -hmm. a, a, a great part of my life, was uh, very much a New York mm -hmm. Irish Democrat, mm -hmm. Republican woman. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, in her casket factory, I could just in my mind picture her as that woman on top of the machine in her Irish yeah. uh, leadership role, yeah. getting all the rest of the employees to join the union to tell yeah. them that they didn't know anything about who they're putting down here to run this plant. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I really came to know her. We became mm -hmm. good friends. So she had a lot of influence then on your political development. Uh, yeah, I can, I can remember my father and mother sitting at a kitchen table with her and bringing a banker in, and mm -hmm. the banker was, and we were all having a libation, mm -hmm. and uh, the banker finally got, they got serious talking politics, and he really. Uh, he got more serious than any of us wanted him to, and mm -hmm. he said to my grandmother, Agnes, he said, Aggie, I don't think you'd vote for Jesus Christ if he ran on the Republican ticket. And she slammed her glass on and she said, Jesus Christ would never run as a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but she was a very ardent Democrat. Yeah, I bet. Wow. That's very interesting. <laughs> so uh, I did get interested in politics right. and uh, mm -hmm. in Muncie yeah, and okay. in Indiana. And, sure. Uh, okay, very interesting. And remind me, where did you go to law school? Georgetown. Georgetown. D.C. Okay, got it. Very interesting. Um, let's see. Did your what did your mother do at the time when you were growing up? She was working at uh, as an administrative employee okay. in. The, in uh, I lived in Ontario or lived in Oneida, and the big Oneida employer mm -hmm. was Oneida Community that made oh, knives, okay. forks, and spoons. Yeah, right. She worked there. Okay, and did you? And I guess you. You didn't have any siblings, correct? No siblings. Right. And so, how would you describe your childhood overall then? I <clears throat> I was, uh, because of the loss of my dad, uh, my element, my grandmother's element in her family was limited in number. So mm -hmm. I was... Uh, and I had lost my dad, so I was the interest of, my grandmother was one of 
10 or 11 <laughs> mm -hmm. and they were all in or around the night and they all had kids and grandkids yeah. so the family the, the good Irish family mm -hmm. uh, all had interest in me as sure. the kid who lost his dad and was Aggie's grandkid right right Aggie and Rita my mom and yeah. uh, so it was a big in the small town of Oneida, uh, we were had a big family, yeah. but not in our building. Right. That sounds good. Yeah. Knew everybody and uh, yeah. went to high school there. Sure. Okay. That's great. Um, and we'll see. What schools did you attend growing up? I uh, went to a high school in Oneida. Okay. And went to Colgate. Right, right. And then went in the service, mm -hmm. and then went to Georgetown. Right. So I had a Bachelor of Arts in Economics from oh, Colgate. Okay. Interesting. And then uh, went on to stay active in academics. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, I have uh, the doctorate in law from Georgetown, and, right. and five other. Honor or doctorates, yeah. so I got yeah. uh, half a dozen doctorates. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, uh, and from Indiana, because mm -hmm. that that um, uh, while I at my own alma mater, Colgate, I mm -hmm. was asked later on to join the board of trustees, and then uh, because I didn't have anybody else that would take it, I was chairman of the board of trustees at my alma mater Colgate wow. for a decade and then was asked to join the board of Catholic University and mm -hmm. served there as vice chairman for many years and chairman okay. was always uh, somebody in red yeah. costume. Yeah. Um, at, uh, then <clears throat> in Indiana uh, with the legislative experience uh, introduced me to some wonderful, wonderful Indiana mm -hmm. leaders and um, Governor Whitcomb appointed me to the Higher Education Commission when it was uh, originally formed. Oh, wow. And um, uh, Mike Carmichael from South Bend was the chairman and he died in a playing tennis uh, oh my uh, gosh. in the first year or two and yeah. I really became interested in, in, in what the Commission for Higher Education was doing and became sure. its chairman for many years but I was on 22 years I served on the Commission for Higher Education wow. under uh, four or five governors. Oh my gosh, <laughs> both parties. Wow. And uh, so I got acquainted, and that's why I ended up with uh, honoraries from Indiana State and Ball State and Vincennes, uh, and then got an honorary from my alma mater. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, the smaller colleges mm -hmm. uh, had a feeling that I sort of and the commission mm -hmm. for higher education uh, always 
tried to make sure they didn't get overrun by the right yeah by the big boys sure naturally yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> interesting okay and so when you were before you went to college did you have any favorite subjects in school or politics politics okay i can recall um for a short time, we lived in New Haven, Connecticut. All well, my mother worked there. Oh, okay. She and my grandmother yeah. lived there, and then we came back. Right. And I can remember when uh, the <clears throat> at the Democrat National Convention for Roosevelt's fourth term, mm -hmm. the big activity in the convention. It was one of the real conventions of our American history. It was great because everyone knew that Roosevelt wasn't going to live. Mm -hmm. So the, the contest became nominating the vice president for Roosevelt yeah. in his fourth term. Right. And there were many candidates and many well-known Democrats, and that went on for many ballots. Yeah, and calling the roll in real old convention style. Wow! And I was a kid in the then in the seventh or eighth grades, and I can remember sitting up. My mother and grandmother had gone to bed, mm -hmm. sitting up at night with the radio on yeah. and all my papers yeah. going through those ballots and you wow. know the great state of North Dakota yeah. passed its three votes for yeah and uh, and it went on all night long and oh I can re I can remember how great that was Truman obviously it was mm -hmm. the final surprising nominee after right. all these there were seven or eight very distinguished yeah. Democrats. Yeah, that's interesting. And, Very cool. And at the time, uh, although I knew nothing about Indiana, uh, I can remember being impressed that uh, there were a couple of Indiana people that played a big part in that Democrat mm. convention. Uh, okay, sure. So, I, but I've always been sort of a really interested in yeah, that's great political life. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's see. Beyond, uh, were you part of any clubs or organizations in college or in high school or? Um. Yeah. Okay. Which uh, ones? In high school, um, I uh, again because of interest in politics, um, the guy uh, when I was a senior. Uh, in high school, mm -hmm. I said to myself and to my to a couple of wonderful teachers who supported me, um, we're not teaching anything about government. What we ought to do is we ought to have political parties, and we ought to have people run in this junior class. Yeah, okay, you know, sure. Just coming along. Yeah. So my neighbor was a guy named Dave Beekman, and he was a junior. And another great guy in that class was a guy named Bill Pryor, and he was 
son of the superintendent of schools. Okay. And they were both good guys. Yeah. So I convinced our faculty, three or four of the people in government, yeah. I convinced those two guys to run. We had two political parties, mm -hmm. and I convinced Leo Shea, who was an alderman, to take me to the mayor. And he convinced the mayor, and they, the city got mm -hmm. the the voting machines out. As I said, you ought to teach high school kids how to use these voting machines. Right. So in high school, we put, we had two political parties, and we put the voting machines out, and they had rallies, <laughs> and we had oh conventions, gosh. and we did, had a great wow, time. Wow, that's and amazing. They, and, uh, they ran the election, and yeah. my neighbor won and beat the superintendent's <laughs> kid, who superintendent's kid went on to Princeton. Oh, and, okay. Uh, David the Beekman went on to Colgate. Okay, wow. But it was uh, it was interesting. <laughs> Again, uh, just to, I had I think from my grandmother. Yeah, that that interests yeah. my. Uh, my grandmother and her sister were always very close. Her sister's right. husband was mayor of Oneida. Sure. They were all Democrats. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that is very interesting. So I had, uh, I've always had a great respect for the Democrat Party as well as my Republican Party. Sure, sure. Um, in fact, I've always thought Democrats are a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in Indiana, in Indiana politics, mm -hmm. I've had many very, very close and mm -hmm. admired Democrat friends. Yeah. Um, the uh, when John Hillenbrand ran against Bob Orr, mm -hmm. um, John and his wife and Margaret and I have traveled around. John bought a company out in New Mexico. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. That for one of his kids, it was going to operate. You know, the Hillenbrands are big in Batesville. Had the, right. And, and had, but we flew out together to that plant. He wanted, to, wanted me to walk around and tell him what he, we thought. We were always, uh, um, in fact, I think I got uh, president of the manufacturers or something. Well, they were both candidates, and uh, there's a picture somewhere we've got of me sitting and the two of them. You know, <laughs> Drinking a toast, <laughs> and uh, it was. But I chaired the Republican Finance Committee for Bob Orr. Oh, okay. Who was a great friend of John's. Yeah, and yeah. We just uh, have always had good friends. Um, Frank O'Bannon and okay, his, sure. uh, Frank is a very was a very yeah. good friend, and his dad Frank. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the 51 session. Mm -hmm. uh, his dad, Frank, was chairman of the Finance Committee in the Senate oh, okay. in the 51 session. Interesting. So anything I had in the house, he'd take care of yeah. over there. But it was, it, it, the O'Bannons have just been 
wonderful yeah. and close friends. And uh, the first couple that uh, Evan Bai had for dinner in the governor's mm -hmm. house, I think, were my wife and myself. So his dad, Birch, yeah. and I were good friends. So yeah, a lot of while well, I've been active in the yeah. Republican Party, we've this bitterness that's around right. it just it just turns my stomach. I yeah, mean. I'm sure it must be feels so strange. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm uh, inclined to to have differences politically. Yeah. you know, and, uh, right, of course, but to yeah. Uh, yeah. to really be able to. Have a lemonade afterward. Yeah. As good friends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, in Muncie, Indiana, became interested in uh, there was a big JC club here. Oh, okay. Right. JCs were yeah. big. And had th over 300 JCs in mm -hmm. Muncie. And today, I don't think it's even active. But, uh, okay. Was a very active organization and with political right. moments, you know. So. Sure, sure. But we had uh, um, some great national speakers mm -hmm. here. We were, we, we were thought we were pretty snoozy. Yeah, okay. And uh, we did elect a Hoosier as. Uh, President of the National JCs okay. and had a big campaign and big convention. <laughs> Loved it. And uh, for the first time, put a radio in our trunk in the car. You know? Right. Oh, so, wow, okay. Uh, That's fun. It was yeah. a, a great campaign up in Minneapolis, I think it was. But at any rate, <coughs> we've been active in JC politics. And uh, so a group of friends said, "Why don't you run for the pol for the state house?" Yeah. And uh, so I did. We <laughs> won the primary together. There were two seats from yeah here, and uh, they've always been Democrat. Yeah. But uh, we ran in the year that. John Kennedy and Nixon were running. Okay, wow. And uh, the, uh, good Indiana people wouldn't vote for a Catholic. Right. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the Republicans uh, uh, did pretty well, and mm -hmm. we took the two seats, which had always been Democrat. Wow. And. Uh, so I went, I went down as as a uh, surprising, uh, yeah. Uh, frankly, yeah. Um, and as I said, we were we were married on the nineteenth of November and went down for the organization meeting in December. And as we went to the organization meeting, uh, the holdovers, mm -hmm. which. Uh, were only 14 of them, I notice. Uh, we're going to have a meeting for an hour and a half before they were going to invite the rest of us in, and we had oh 72 gosh. we had. Yeah. So we had by far the biggest number. Yeah. So we said, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they were going to organize the oh house. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we had 
through friends. Uh, I had four or five friends in a batch of new people mm -hmm. that were down there. Uh, Keith Bulan, okay, was uh, went on to be right. very active. Yeah, Merrill Moore's who. Uh, was very active and in that session, uh, very much a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had known uh, in the law business uh, a guy who ended up as our speaker, uh, who had been not in the, not a holdover, but had served one term before that. So came back and uh, all the young bucks were for him for speaker, and uh, so we. We organized and, and we didn't take all of the spots, but we sat down in uh, about four or five of us that were yeah. sort of the leaders of the new bunch, yeah. sat down with the old bunch, and uh, we negotiated the chairmanships and we took about half of them <laughs> wow. away from the holdovers. Yeah. But we did ask uh, John Coppas, who um, had served before and was a holdover and had been on the Ways and Means since we had no, nobody that had been on Ways and Means. John Coppas took that and uh, I got appointed to that and sort of handled the education parts that I was interested in. And uh, the uh, post-secondary education, mm -hmm. not the high school, not the public schools. Um, and, um, uh, well, you could go down through the chairman, various right. chairman as I did, and we split them up. We had some wonderful, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Chairman of the Labor Committee, Fisher, George Fisher. Oh, okay. Was a brother of a high school coach here that I knew well. Yeah. And uh, George was a guy everybody wanted as chairman of the Labor Committee because he was a big, big guy yeah. and very persuasive, okay. uh, uh, looking and yeah. acting, and uh, handled the labor committee. Sure, <laughs> sure. Without any, there wasn't any question about who was boss when yeah. he sat down at the table. Yeah. But there are a lot of memories like that. that yeah. I can recall uh, Merrill Moore's wanted and took and was the chairman of judiciary and uh, in the senate um, well i should first talk about as you know better than i mm -hmm. the uh, the unique organization of the 50 uh, of the 50 no, the 59, 61, mm -hmm. the 61 right. session, um, a tie in the Senate, 25-25, right. and a big majority, 74 uh, yep. in the 
in the House, big Republican majority, um, with a uh, Democrat governor mm -hmm. and a Republican lieutenant governor back when they used to run right. separately. Yeah. So uh, Matt Welch was our mm -hmm. wonderful guy, just a super, super guy. Yeah. Big man at Vincennes. Mm -hmm. um, was the governor and Dick Verstein also a uh, guy had become a good friend, was the lieutenant governor. And so you got a Democrat governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, <laughs> and, a, and a house that was a whole bunch of new young guys yeah. in the Republican Party, yeah. and a Senate that was tied 25-25. Wow, yeah. And uh, what a political environment. And yeah. it was a year after the census, so, right. you know, what are you going to do? And I, I was chairman mm -hmm. of the reapportionment committee, yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know, we were sure we wouldn't do anything in the first session, but we... Mm -hmm. Might have done something in the second yeah. session, but uh, was a uh, for a guy who um, loves to eat wheat at the political trough. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, made for yeah, made for fun. I bet, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> that is very interesting. A. Uh, uh, Frank O'Bannon, uh, the father of later Governor Frank O'Bannon, <laughs> and the Governor Frank O'Bannon uh, had a brother, Bob O'Bannon, okay. who was a big lobbyist. And uh, Bob O'Bannon at the time was president of the Muncie Chamber. And we were roomed together at, yeah. uh, at the hotel during the session. He went down. So <laughs> here he was, a Democrat again, and I was a Republican from Muncie, but we were yeah. hung around together. And he was very well known in the in the lobbyist bunch. So I ended up being uh, having a lot of fun with the lobbyist yeah. during those periods yeah. and Seems like it. Yeah. knew him well. Um, and with the 72 folks, the uh, Indianapolis newspaper picked me out as the uh, outstanding freshman legislator mm -hmm. uh, in that session. I'm trying to think of the guy's name who uh, always raided the legislators and mm -hmm. he wrote for the Indianapolis newspapers uh, well-known political writer I think I've gotten old well it's hard to remember all those details it's a lot no, of stuff no, yeah 91 maybe that's yeah. it <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a call this week, inter interesting as, speaking of age, yeah. I had a call from a guy who was a young man on the budget agency, mm. um, because in that session, um, four of us were named to the Legislative Advisory Commission, which is now called a budget agency that works between the, ses the right. sessions. 
and I was one of the appointees to that. Mm -hmm. And we worked with the budget agency. Yeah. And a young guy who worked with us just out of the blue, uh, after all these years, called about two weeks ago and said, mm -hmm. uh, I heard you were alive. And he <laughs> said, I called you to, to ask, uh, he said, do you think you're the last one alive from that session? Yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. It never dawned on me to think, yeah. think of it that way. But right, of th course. Thanks for the call. I'm glad yeah. you're interested. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, <laughs> <clears throat> there were a lot of. Um, there was a state senator mm -hmm. in that session, a Democrat. He was chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the State Senate. Um, he later became a federal judge mm -hmm. in Marion, in Indianapolis, Southern District of okay. Indiana. Right. Oh, I should remember his name, and I don't. Um, you could. Immediately mm -hmm. do it by looking at yeah, probably figure the Senate. Out. Yeah. I don't, I don't have the right. list of the yeah. Senate senators, but oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. No, that's okay. a very distinguished guy and and a great made a great name for himself. But Merrill Moore's was chairman of our judiciary committee, and I can recall, you know, in the last eighty hours of the session. Um, We'd sit down in the House and say, this is the next bill we want to get through the mm -hmm. Senate. So Merrill would take that over to the chairman of the yeah. Finance Committee over in the, in the Senate and say, well, here's the next one. And he'd say, well, here's our next one. And they'd swap sure. those and run them back. Yeah. And we'd get through that and then we'd say, okay, now what's the next level? Right. <laughs> yep, part of the process. Yeah. But we had a yeah. had a great time doing that as a bunch of frankly uh, younger guys who had never right never been there before. Sure, absolutely. So when did you uh, when did you become affiliated with the Republican Party? Um, affiliated. Mm -hmm. um, well, I had interest in both parties. Right, uh, mentioned that. Yeah. I had interest in politics. Right, right. And politics and government was the interest. It, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. the party was the main interest. It was government mm -hmm. and right people expressing themselves in sure. groups. Yeah, uh, that was most interested. Mm -hmm. Now it happens that there's a Republican and a Democrat party, exactly. and that that may change. And historically, it yep. was different. Yep. And it may be different future. But mm -hmm. um, I must admit, my because of my Irish Catholic Democrat New York mm -hmm. background, that was all Democrat. Yeah. And yeah. my affiliation was a Democrat, and, right. and sort of like my grandmother jesus christ would never be a right. republican <laughs> yeah yeah um as i matured i found myself uh, as an economics major in college sure um uh, i found myself more in touch 
mm-hmm. with principles that mm-hmm. were made me align more with the Republican Party. Um, and <clears throat> then, aside from the political life, um, uh, I um, got into a fight with the U.S. Chamber. Mm. I, um, sitting at my, we, I came back when I was running for the legislature. Um, I had left the law practice in Muncie okay. and joined my stepfather, and we bought that company, Ontario Company, where he was running at mm, that time. Yeah. We bought that company. Wow. And after a couple of years of law practice, I joined his company. So uh, uh, when we were in the legislature and thereafter, uh, I was in the company with him. Right. He's behind you there, looking at you. Oh, and, okay. yeah. And he he died, and so I yeah. got stuck with that job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in uh, would have been in nineteen. This was sixty one. Right. In sixty three, he died, and I became president. Okay. Of, uh, yeah. So I was out of running right. for office. Yeah. And I had a job running Ontario Corporation. Sure. But stayed very active uh, right. politically. And uh, uh, that's where I became more interested in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at the desk at Ontario, which was a pretty small company at the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, and it wasn't that he left me any big deal because the company was $800,000 negative net worth. Oh, okay. Wow. When I stepped into it. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, I was sitting there one day and took a phone call, as I often did if nothing else was going on. And it was a guy from the United States Chamber of Commerce. And he called and said, uh, our dues were, were becoming at the end of the year when we, he wanted mm-hmm. me to renew our dues. Yeah. And I said, I don't think I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this was maybe a couple of years after that. I'd been in the job for two or three years. Right. And uh, he said, you're not. And I said, no. And I said, I'm on another board here locally, and we've talked about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to be pressing them to not pay either. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, I'm getting sick of a bunch of guys with watch fobs hanging over their big bellies yeah. and sitting in the Pittsburgh Business Club, yeah. deciding everything, and little guys getting crapped on. Yeah. I don't, I don't go for that. Right, right. And he said, "Well, I'm sorry to hear that. We'll miss you." And we, so, about uh, two weeks later, I had another call. It was uh, 
guy was said, I'm vice president of the chamber for mm -hmm. the Chicago region. I'm just going to happen to be in Muncie, Indiana next week, and I wondered if I could stop. And I said, well, what day are you going to be here? <laughs> and he yeah. said, what day are you free? <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, yeah. he, he came down. Yeah. And we had <coughs> a nice chat. And all about that. And he said, well, we're starting a small business council. And it's going to meet four times a year. Yeah. And we wondered if maybe you'd want to join that. <coughs> it's going to be about 40 people. We're going to meet in Washington. And uh, the U.S. Chamber wants to have the input from right. small and medium-sized companies. So I said, sure, I'll go. I bitch, I, now I, you call my bluff. Yeah, yeah. So I went to D.C. And we met in the basement of the Hay Adams Hotel. And I don't know if you're familiar with Washington, but <clears throat> there's a White House, mm -hmm. and then the park, and then the chamber building right, is right, right across. Yeah. And the other half of that block is the Hay Adams. Mm -hmm. We're in the basement of the Hay Adams. Okay. So we're 40 people meeting down there. And <clears throat> we met once input on this bill, on input on that bill. I said, uh, isn't that the chamber bill building next door? And I said, yeah. And I said, you, you really want to get the small companies invited. I said, I walked in the lobby of that big building one time. I saw the big room where the chamber board meets. And here we are in the basement of the hotel. You don't have a meeting room over in the mm -hmm. chamber building for... Well, next meeting, we were meeting in the chamber room, and next thing I knew, that I was I was president of this group of small people. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing I knew, I went on the chamber board. Oh, my gosh. And then I became chairman of the United States Chamber. Wow. And traveled around the country for a while. But that, <laughs> that uh, politics again. Yeah. But not Republican right. or Democrat. Right. But uh, speaking up to yeah. get your voice heard. Yeah, fascinating. So a lot of this kind of stuff comes from them. Yeah. Wow. And it's uh, it's been... Fun, but the the legislature sticks out in my mind as one of the mm -hmm. real things because uh, it got me into Indiana politics. Sure, yeah, and uh, I uh, yeah. I was chairman of the Republican wow. Republican Finance Committee for a decade. Yeah, but I don't like people are hiding money, mm -hmm. and they don't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was chairman, we had everybody printed, mm -hmm. and if you gave money, 
there's the money in the top mint, you know, yeah. we got a thousand, ten thousand, yeah. twenty, and we print, yeah. printed their names. Keeping track, yeah. Put them up there yeah. and gave that to everybody. And, you know, <laughs> very smart, yeah. I, I'm uh, very much for open. Yeah, that's good, yeah, definitely. So we had a, a series of staying pretty active. I uh, ran uh, both of Dan Coates' Senate, mm -hmm. first Senate campaigns I was chair. Wow. And then uh, uh, when Dick Luger ran for president, I was his national chairman. Mitch was his chairman. I was the finance chairman nationally. Interesting. And uh, we, uh, Dan, Dick and Dan have both been very close. Yeah. Then uh, uh, Bob Orr was governor while I was the finance chairman. Um, Doc Bowen uh, was chairman of the Mutz mm -hmm. deal and then Okay. Uh, became HHS chairman and I took over the Mutz campaign. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And then uh, I have always been very active in this con congressional district. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when uh, Dave McIntosh was the congressman from this district, and this, we had a dinner at his home one night, a bunch of us, and he said he was giving consideration to running for governor. Wow. And if he wanted to run for, wanted our advice about mm -hmm. a group of us. And as we left, he uh, punched my arm and he said, Come on over for breakfast. Sure, he lived here in Muncie. Yeah. So I went over for breakfast with he and Ruthie, and he said, uh, "We are going to run for governor." So I went back to the office, and uh, two uh, Republican elections back, mm -hmm. uh, a young Republican ran against a Democrat, incumbent of many years, um, and his name was Mike Pence. Yeah. He ran a terrible campaign. Oh, okay. And got <laughs> trounced. And, yeah. So I, uh, and wrote a book about yeah. running a campaign. Yeah. I would never do that again. Then he had a radio show, and it was very popular yeah. with a radio show. So when, uh, uh, McIntosh said, I'm going to, I went over and had breakfast in the morning. He, Ruthie, and I had breakfast together, and he said, I'm going to have a press conference at noon, yeah. and I'm going to run for governor. Mm -hmm. So I said, um, good luck, be all for you. Mm -hmm. uh, then I went back to the office and I called a young guy that we had met in the mm -hmm. new press, both Margaret and me, and, yeah. uh, named Mike Pence, and I said, Mike, uh, we were impressed with you when you were at the right. last one and didn't win, and why don't you announce for Congress? 
-hmm. about one o'clock because he's going to announce for governor about 11. So you yeah. want to get right in there. Right. And uh, he said, oh, my wife would just kill me. She <laughs> she remembers that episode. Sure, so sure. So I. And we wrote a book about it. Yeah. And then he called back in half an hour and he said, we'd been thinking about that. He said, we'd do that if you'd be our chairman. Okay. So I said, well, I had to talk with Margaret. But, and then we, I said, but I know she'd say yes. So right. It's a deal. You want to <laughs> you run? I'd be yeah. happy to. So he ran for Congress and got elected and I chaired his campaign for mm -hmm. for 10 years wow. and then twice for governor. Interesting. But, uh, he's a good guy. Yeah. And, uh, That's fascinating. <laughs> good friend. So we've stayed interested in yeah, politics. Clearly, yeah, clearly, The question was politics. Yeah. And we stayed interested. Yeah. The, uh, the other channel that I've uh, really, uh, I've had, um, the good Lord has been good enough to put us in, in a time when there's change and we've had some um, fun because we've been able <laughs> to make some changes. Right, right. That was sure true in the chamber when yeah. uh, um, it became a new chamber for a while. Sure. Uh, the uh, the the Reagan Bush years were very good years, and uh, mm -hmm. we were very much a part of the Reagan and Bush oh, okay. administration yeah. in years, and Interesting. that was good. So the chamber was good, and uh, the uh, the the. Catholic University got us in touch with all of the uh, the cardinals were all on the mm -hmm. board of Catholic U and yeah. we had a good relationship with those who were making decisions in the church. And then um, I had a call one day in Muncie asking if uh, I would have lunch in Indianapolis the next time I was there. With, mm -hmm three or four guys, and I did, and they represented the Muncie, the Indiana AAA. Uh, I had okay. always been a member, but I never yeah. knew really much what was going on. Yeah. And uh, they asked me if I'd join that board, mm -hmm. and I did. And uh, we got a little bit interested in the politics of AAA, which is the largest membership organization in America, mm -hmm. uh, second only to the Catholic Church. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are today 52 million AAA members paying an average of almost $100 yeah. for memberships Wow. around the nation. There are 54 million members. That's huge. And uh, so Indiana went to the national things, and I got a little bit acquainted there, and mm -hmm. so on, and ended up going on the board of the national AAA, uh, which wow, which has uh, of the ten largest 
casual insurance casualty insurance companies. I think they have full ownership of three and part ownership of another couple. Mm -hmm. And for instance, AAA now insures thirty six percent of the cars in California. Yeah, Indiana is not that high. Some states are pretty right. high, but it's a any billions of dollars. Yeah, and, uh, yes, of course. Um, Bigger than I had ever thought of. Yeah. But I went on the board and became chairman of the national AAA. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which was very interesting because we we uh, changed the structure of AAA from they were trying to amalgamate it all and get it oh, into okay. one group and we. Finally, I'd broken all that up and kept mm -hmm. it regional, and but it was politics again. Yeah, right. And so the whether it's the chamber with the Reagan and Bush administration, or whether it's been AAA, or whether mm -hmm. it was on the floor the night of the convention to yeah. pick Harry Truman to run with <laughs> Roosevelt. Right. You know, it, it's all, yeah. or in high school, yeah. to set up parties. Yeah, you've always been connected. It's, it's, yeah. all, it's all politics. Yeah. And, yeah. And, but healthy. It's yeah. um, relations of people governing themselves. Mm -hmm. and Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really it's neat. It's fun. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, we've covered a lot so far. Um, so did you ever think that you would get involved in the state legislature when you first got out of law school? Was that something that you ever imagined? Um, I went to law school because of my interest yeah, okay. in people expressing their opinions. Yep. And and uh, you get interested in these things, I do, mm -hmm. because I want to change policy. Right. Sure. You know, I'm, of course. If, if you said AAA or you said the chamber, yeah. uh, the reason I got interested yeah. in the politics mm -hmm. was to make changes. Right, of course. And so if you're uh, living in Muncie, Indiana, yeah. Um, I went to the legislature, and as a result, Muncie, Indiana, was the first city in Indiana to get rid of the political control of mm. fire and police departments. Mm. You know, we we passed a bill that uh, set up merit commissions yeah. to so that the, the the guy on the back of the fire truck. When the, it would become the next chief, and the chief would go back to the back end of the fire right. truck, depending upon the politics of the mayor. Yeah. And we got rid of that, yeah. and we passed that in the legislature in this session. Yeah. Despite the fact little little was done because there was so much division of poli political right. parties, um, with the help of some Democrats from, uh, I got got that bill passed, both mm -hmm. the House and Senate, and the governor signed it. Yeah. Um, and I ended up as the first president of the Merit Commission for <laughs> Police and Fire. <laughs> but 
uh, we did that, and that, you know, so you join the legislature so you can yeah. do some of those. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, or you uh, get interested in the political things. So, yeah. So it isn't hiding money. Right. It's uh, there's the big state dinner. Yeah. They don't do that today. Yeah. It, it's home. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I'm a great believer. If I put my name on it, everybody that that was everybody that came yeah. to the state party. Right. Yeah, that's that's really neat. And we raised lots of money. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's great. Wow. <laughs> they, they don't do it today. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So, I guess uh, talking about your your family a little bit. Uh, when did you get married? The first chance I had with this gal. Yeah. <laughs> and what year was that? That was 19... She was, I was married in 1960 in November. Yeah, so, that's right. Same, yeah. month, same yep. month I was elected. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, see... My wife... Um, I used to fly a lot. Mm -hmm. Rent airplanes out of Muncie. Oh, okay. And then renting the airplanes... Uh, the pilot I used a lot of Muncie Aviation. Yeah. Always it would say, because I didn't know when we'd get back, you know, you'd go out for right. a day and maybe it'd be late. He always said, do you mind if I tip the wing down here where my fiance lives and she'll mm -hmm. know I'm 20 minutes from picking yeah. her up? And said, fine. Yeah. I said, someday we're going to meet her. You know, we got to have yeah. a double date or something. Yeah. I said, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, well, he was engaged to this gal, and I finally met her, and yeah. that's my wife now. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I don't fly with him anymore. Yeah, I can imagine that would be awkward, yeah. <laughs> we did we did start an airline. Oh, okay. I was on a bunch of boards. Yeah, uh, sounds like it. <laughs> there was a bank here in Muncie, uh -huh. uh, and Dave Sursa and I, uh, Dave Sursa was the chairman, and his family was the predominant shareholder. But I got to where I owned a pretty big chunk of that bank, mm -hmm. and he and I were partners in starting an airline. Those are the that was the or both of those planes we owned. Oh, okay. So, for instance, when I was chairman of the chamber, I could get from my home in Muncie to my office in D.C. Uh, in about an hour and forty minutes. Wow. Uh, with, you yeah, know, I'd go out and right, fly yeah. down from fly from here to yeah. DC. So many many weeks I'd spend two days in the wow. office in DC. Interesting. Which you could fly in and out when you wanted to. And yeah, and very convenient. Huh. The one closest to me here was a was a jet that we had, we had more hours on that model of airplane than any other in that model of airplane, with one exception. The one exception was a guy that just took bank clearings every night. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was the only plane that had more hours on it than ours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, see, 
Do you have any children? We have, yes, five. Five, So, so okay. far. So far, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what are their names? Their names are Lynn, mm -hmm. Mark, Paul, Susan, Victor. Okay, interesting. Um, we had five in seven years. Mm -hmm. We have a daughter who had five in seven years. Wow. <laughs> nice, okay. And how did your family influence your career? My family? Yeah. Well, my grandmother. Well, or, or like your children and your wife? Oh, my wife is... Uh, Tremendous. Mm -hmm. you, 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 just the most wonderful partner in the world. Mm -hmm. There is no way that we could have had, I could have had, mm -hmm. anywhere near the fun I've had yeah. uh, without, without Margaret. Yeah. And she is uh, revered among many people who would tell me to go to hell, but yeah. love her. <laughs> she is... Uh, much more popular and much more respected than I am in yeah. all these circles. They all want to. Yeah. If I go in a room, everybody would say, well, "Where's Margaret?" Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. a she's a wonderful gal. That's great. Um, <clears throat> good lemonade too. It is, yeah. Very good lemonade. That's right. <laughs> Let's see, so when you first got involved in politics as a legislator, what were the key issues that you focused on or fought for? I probably had, uh, I was interested in cities and towns, served as a ranking member on that committee and got my bill through for, because mm -hmm. I, I was from Muncie, Indiana, and there were things in Muncie, Indiana right. I wanted to change. And one yeah. of them was the whole police mm -hmm. and fire thing, which yeah. was so political, you know, sure. the, the people becoming chief without any... Right. Makes sense. Any sense at all. So, um, and uh, I uh, was interested in... Uh, uh, I, I always said that because all of the political power in the construction and mm -hmm. uh, business was from south of 40, that uh, there was only one patch of southern Indiana that wasn't paved. Mm -hmm. But the whole, the rest of that was all concrete and yeah. tarmac down there, and we didn't have any paving up there in this part of the state. Yeah. So I was, yeah, that was a bit of an overreaction to my desire to, yeah, to see uh, Muncie get connected. Mm -hmm. um, two or three issues that we were pursuing in the state at the time was. Uh, the planning was being done for uh, I-69, and we did get I-69 moved over this way. It was originally, it was plotted for way over the other side of Anderson and up, 
but we got it moved over, so mm -hmm. at least it came between M Muncie and Anderson. Okay, sure. Um, another one was the medical school. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, IU Medical School was the biggest medical school uh, by far in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we wanted to get that done, and that was a little bit later than this session, but was part of my des desire and I, things I found out in this session and sure. that uh, we pursued. But uh, the chairman of the IU Med School, who later became president of Purdue, and I shared the, the uh, plan to put eight, the original plan to put eight schools of mm -hmm. medicine really began with you'd have residencies in these places. Ah, okay. And then uh, we got the fourth year of med school in these places. And now the three of them, we've got full four years of med school as we do here in Muncie now. Hmm. Uh, it's part of IU med school. Ah, okay. But we have all four years as well as a, as a <clears throat> good residency program. Yeah, that's great, yeah. The, uh, there's just a series of those, and so right. it seemed... Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, uh, I had things, and uh, um, it was fortunate for me that uh, we really got whipped in the... You know, running for re-election. Right. Um, the whole state went the other way. Yeah. Big. Yeah. And um, it was fortunate for me because my stepfather died and I got... Right. Uh, that the company that we had, and there were four of us who were directors, the other three were older and more experienced in that business than I was. But, yeah. But... Uh, uh, when he died, um, the we we were indebted to a large supplier mm -hmm. for about eight hundred thousand bucks, and they thought that I would be the best guy to work that out. <laughs> really, <laughs> so I got the job. Yeah, uh, with their support. Yeah, and then fortunately did get that worked out. Okay, but prevented. Even if I had interest yeah. for any actual office holding, mm -hmm. but sure stayed interest in raising money and in uh, supporting candidates. Uh, yeah. Okay. So when you were when you first started running uh, for the general assembly, did you have a particular campaign strategy at all? Or? Yeah, the campaign was you know to make the state. Yeah. More fiscally responsible. Yeah, okay, uh, sure. Everything that people want. And when you run from Muncie, yeah. you want to make sure that uh, uh, in those days, uh, Ball State University um, was a building that the Ball family mm -hmm. gave to Muncie. It was one building with some classrooms, 
and it was called a normal school, mm -hmm. which meant a teacher's school. Right. And that was an offspring of Indiana State University. And the board in Indiana State ran this. And then it became a board that ran, both of them called the State Teachers College Board. Okay. And ran both of them. Then we got them split. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this was separate from that. Right, yeah. And so uh, in this session and in, in the three or four sessions of the early 60s, uh, it became Ball State University became, uh, uh, first became very independent from mm -hmm. the State Teachers Board, then changed the name from a teacher's college to the Ball State University. Okay. And uh, uh, it had its own board, and then I think in maybe the session, might have been two sessions, when it became Ball State University instead of Ball State Teachers College, sort of getting its own. Yeah, okay. Time. But it originally was part of, it uh, was part of the board uh, that this gift became part of what was Indiana State University. Right. Or Indiana. Sure. Yeah, Indiana State University. Okay, interesting. Um, so each sessions we, we've been right. politically pushing for that. Yeah, okay. Now, you know, it's a ball state could run rings around, frankly. Yeah. Got a degree from both of them. Yeah, yeah. Say that. <laughs> right. Uh, they've had better leadership. Um, <clears throat> the, politically, uh, the leadership, particularly John Morrison, the leadership of uh, Ball State contributed greatly to its uh, growth, strength, and independence by its position between Indiana University and Purdue. I suppose uh, there are people who might object to this, but from my observation of years of watching the academic institutions, uh, when Purdue took the president, uh, the chairman of the IU Med School as its president, there was contention on the board. Several board members mm -hmm. resigned, and there was there was not the close affiliation between IU and Purdue that had happened when Herman Wells and Fred Hovday mm -hmm. were running the, the system. Right. Um, in the session that we're talking, that talking about my serving, I can remember at the Ways and Means Committee that the four presidents came into the hearing, uh, Herman Wells, Fred Hovday, John Emmons, and the distinguished white-haired guy from Terre Haute all came in and we had just two lines in the whole state budget for higher education. One mm -hmm. was 
the academic and one was the, the county agents you had to deal with at the same time because Herman Wells controlled the budget for the colleges uh, okay. and Purdue controlled the colleges or the uh, budget for the uh, county agents because okay. Purdue's political base was every county in Indiana has a county agent for farming. Right. And that was their political base. Because okay. every county agent is strong in the politics of their own county. So they walk in four strong and then they walk out and then they go to another room and Herman Wells would tell the people at Toro and Muncie what they were gonna get. <laughs> and that's that was the extent in uh, as I watched in the Higher Education Commission for 20 years, that get much that became much more of, a, of a, an astute group of, of, of workers and observers right. to, to hone down on where, <laughs> like that, that. where that money went. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, when you were running your campaign, who was your main opponent? Opponent? Yeah. Um, the I don't know that uh, there were candidates, okay. Democrat candidates, yeah. there were Republican candidates for the legislature. Right. But um, uh, the the opponent was uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, I mean, there, no yeah. question, there's no right. question about that election was not an election between yeah. uh, me and a right. re Republican or, or Democrat running for the legislature. Yeah. The, the whole that election turned on the fact that mm -hmm. uh, a Catholic was running for yeah, and and they elected a Catholic. Yeah, that's right. From I, I suppose. A Republican and Catholic had never been elected, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. Who were your national political heroes or state heroes at the time? Well, um, I was a close friend of Dick Verstein. Okay. Dick Verstein was the lieutenant governor. Matt Welch was a good friend. Yeah. Um, my neighbor here in Muncie um, was a candidate for United States Senate in the Democrat Party against Vance Hartke when he was first running, and Matt was for my neighbor. <laughs> I got to know Matt pretty well, and so it. Uh, at, well, at his funeral, Matt and I sat together. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Matt was the Democrat governor at the time, and we were, we were good friends. Mm -hmm. Dick Christine was, uh, at that time, was close, close friend. Mm -hmm. He and his wife and Margaret and I spent time together, and he got, <laughs> he, uh, well, we, um, got beaten the next time mm. round, and I 
fortunate for me because I took the job. My father died yeah. and so on. But Dick Christine uh, uh, called me, and I was on the employment security board, and some he got me on the board of Meridian Insurance, and I've been a lot of corporate boards. Yeah. And, uh, that was obviously uh, because of personal that <clears throat> I should put it this way the blessing I have had in hanging around the political arena has meant so much in Opportunities that people have called and yeah. offered. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. It really is amazing. One uh, example Dick Christine called and got, uh, got me on Meridian Insurance Board, which uh, I enjoyed very much. There are two insurance companies. Um, <clears throat> the uh, Doc Bowen, uh, when he went to HHS, uh, I took his spot on uh, the the casting company in Warsaw, big company. Just enjoyed that, just because of association with Doc. Yeah. Um, the um, when Marble Hill, the um, the power plant that uh, um, Indiana uh, that was being built here in Indiana uh, under the Ormutz administration, that um, <clears throat> power plant was scheduled to be built for. Two billion eight hundred million dollars, and when it got to four billion dollars, and because it was still being constructed, mm -hmm. and there was an occurrence <clears throat> in Pennsylvania, if you remember, where a power plant blew up. Right. Uh, <clears throat> when that happened, our Marble Hill plant. Uh, was then subject to all of the new regulations right. that came after the explosion in Pennsylvania. So <clears throat> it looked like it was going to cost another three or four billion dollars. And Governor Orr and Governor, Lieutenant Governor Mutz said, stop it, and put two or three of us on the board of the in Annapolis or uh, the Indiana uh, Public Service Company, yeah, IPA, and uh, so we ran that company and had the the real difficult to me um, challenge there of taking the chairman who I respected so much. And had mm -hmm. known so long, and taking him to lunch and telling him that 
for the his services were not going to be mm-hmm. needed anymore. Yeah. And that uh, oh, it just uh, just bothered me. Yeah. Terribly. But and uh, that's all because of political. Right. Uh, uh, not not because of politics, because of friendships and respected associations mm-hmm. that have been made. Yeah. So we're called upon to run that, and then later I had the chair of the committee to clean up Marble Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still not cleaned up. Yeah. Um, so what did it feel like the first election day? How did you feel? Feel wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Why when you? Yeah. When you look at those precincts coming in one by one. Yeah. <laughs> you've got all your notes. Right. You have the history of how those precincts have been in the past, and yeah. look at how it's going now, and you think wonderful. Yeah. And then there are other days when, uh, if you live in the political world, yeah, that you read how they're going, and then you see. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what were you thinking when you walked into the state house the first day? Um, the thing I remember about the first exposure is uh, we went down to the organization meeting and... <clears throat> um, we went down the night before because the organization meeting was going to be in the morning and Margaret and I uh, went down. We had a room in the old Claypool Hotel and uh, I would stay over and go to the meeting the next morning. And there, in, and Margaret was a teacher, and uh, there in the lobby was the president of the Indiana State Teachers Association, ah, okay. who I had heard of, but I didn't know him. But he came over and said, Van, how are you? <laughs> As if he had known me for 14 years. And he yeah. said, and Margaret, we were talking with the principal at your school today about what a wonderful job you've been doing <laughs> at the school. Yeah. And we thought, we didn't know if you had something tonight or not, but we have a suite upstairs in the hotel and we're having dinner delivered up there and we were hoping you'd be able to join us for dinner mm-hmm. up there. Wow. And that was my first night in the big city. Man, and, uh, that's great. Boy, I've been elected. Yeah. Look, look at this. Yeah, things are going well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Indiana State Teachers Association. Yeah, okay. Who probably were not as happy with me as the <laughs> as the years went by. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were your expectations for the legislative process? Was it more or less complicated than you thought? I suppose that um, maybe more than some, I was aware of the degree to which personalities 
and relationships have in politics than most. Right. I would suspect that just because I really had admired and watched and yeah. studied political processes. Right, right, of course. So, um, but I think even with the Even with that, I was, uh, I became more impressed with mm -hmm. how personalities yeah. really are controlled. Sure. I mean, um, Birch Bayh was a Democrat. Mm -hmm. um, ran the House before we were there, ran the Democrats while we were there, yeah. ran the House again after we were there. <laughs> um, Matt Welch was the governor. <coughs> but I think uh, anybody that had been around the block a few times knew where to go for mm -hmm. answers. Right. Sure. Makes sense. <clears throat> so how did you learn the ins and outs of state politics? I got them by, um, it's a process you get by turning blisters into calluses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it's, you learn in the the blisters finally mm -hmm. heal when you sure. get, you got good strong skin. Right, be <laughs> used you, to it. Yeah, but you, you probably get those blisters on the way. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents, and how did you interact with them on a regular basis? I don't know that you ever know them. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, candidates uh, can take polls and take surveys and mm -hmm. so on, but uh, good candidates um, have two buckets. One bucket is what you perceive to be the issues of the moment Mm -hmm. among your constituents and you talk about those at coffees or dinners or right. at luncheons. Um, the other is the real nuts and bolts issue mm -hmm. that you have with the the president of the biggest employer in town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, road construction company. Right. That's uh, not been paid, yeah. or uh, sure. the, uh, the location of the next highway that's right. going through your county. Yeah. Uh, those things that are uh, that issues people want to hear when you're talking in public. Right. And then you've got the third set. Mm -hmm. and those are issues that uh, that aren't open in public, but they're mm -hmm. the big 
the big dudes in your area right, have them. And uh, yeah. the, the president of the biggest company in your district has got a real problem with the some form of government. Mm -hmm. Or you've got a big hog farm and they're having trouble with the the creek that runs through there right. and is dumping something in the yeah. next, next three farms and yeah. it's uh, those issues that are key to an individual or a group but quiet right quiet issues so there yeah. are big public ones and then group things and then kind of quiet issues sure I've, at least in my observation yeah okay yeah what was the first bill that you sponsored? The, the, the local one and the one down there that uh, got a lot of attention mm -hmm. was the uh, Muncie having, getting the first merit commission for police and fire. Right, okay. That was, a, and we got it passed. Yeah. And we got it implemented. Yeah, yeah. Got the governor to sign it, then and the <laughs> police unions and the fire unions are all against it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you describe for me what the sort of regular interactions were like between people in the General Assembly, formal and informal? Um, <clears throat> in those days, more than today, I understand. Mm -hmm. um, the formal session right. uh, would be there. I, I remember a very prominent Democrat saying to me, Smith, you've never been in the legislature in the minority, mm -hmm. uh, so you got to get over there. But he said, those of us in the minority uh, Come late, leave early, and spend a lot of time with the lobbyists. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that's the informal. Right. But the formal part of it is you, I mean, you have to be there and you have mm -hmm. bills that you have to walk through. And right. If you've got a bill, you've got three readings to go through and you've got to move it the three readings in one house and then take it to the other house and get a sponsor and get it through and yeah then you, then it's they want they wanted to change it this way so you've got to change and you got to bring it back together and you got to have a concurrence committee to yeah. to work out the differences and then you got to have both people approve it after you get the concurrence committee right then you got the thing in that well, I'll take it down to the governor and see if I can get him to sign it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. So it's, you got a lot of a lot of work to do. Right. Um, frankly, um, some people, some legislators like to do that, and some don't do it, and that's why you get some people that are not legislators, but are interested in a bill. Right, and of course. And they follow that yep. all the way through. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
what were the interactions like between members of the House and Senate? Or were there differences between the House and Senate? Yes. Oh, yeah. The, the Senate always uh, has a personal image of being uh, three flights above the House. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, pictures of the house as a bunch of disorganized kids who are irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> and the Senate can handle this. And, you know, that really isn't the case. So right. The Senate is, is prob probably more politic than the house, mm -hmm. but in a more sophisticated yeah. way. I don't know that I'd say mature way, but I'd say sophisticated. Right. And half of that sophistication is only because they believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Could you walk me through the process um, that you had to go through for generating a bill? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, in my experience, uh, you want to make sure that your bill is written correctly, so you yeah. use the talents of the legislative agencies that are available to make sure that you've got a bill that uh, the lawyers and the agency don't see anything wrong with it. Then mm -hmm. you start that bill through, it. <clears throat> you, you introduce the bill, and the speaker, if you introduce it in the House, like I did, the speaker can uh, send it to mm -hmm. Oshkosh, yeah. <laughs> and you'll never see it again. Yeah. <laughs> or he can send it to, is if, if you want to ask him to do that, right. you can send him to the Cities and Towns Committee or you're the ranking member because mm -hmm. you want to carry it through that committee and you want to make sure before you bring it up in the committee that you get enough votes to, right. to get it and so on. So or so you got to work with the speaker to see where your bill is going. He could put it in his pocket and leave it there. Yeah. Never see it again. That's the end of your bill. Or he could... Give it to a committee, and mm -hmm. the, the committees have to work it out to bring it to the floor. Yeah. So you go through the committee and bring it to the floor, and so I had my bill, mm -hmm. went to the speaker, asked him to give it to the committee where I was serving, and had ranking member, and I take it, got everybody's concurrence before we even brought it up. When yeah. I brought it up. <laughs> took two minutes. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then comes back and you got first reading and you got second reading and you, you, you got to go through all the stuff to get it through the house. Right. And then, wow. Now you got a, you got half the legislature is gone by the time you got that and you, you've made, you got to get it through early because if you don't get it through early, then you're out of luck. Mm -hmm. So then you get it over to the Senate. You got to find somebody, and and I uh, 
I sure knew the, uh, you know, the scent was uh, fit 25-25. So I wanted somebody on both. So I had Dick Verstein, who ran the Senate, right. and uh, Frank O'Bannon, who uh, was a Democrat, mm -hmm. elder statesman. And uh, you want them to make sure you, they're smiling when you come over with your bill. Yeah. And you've got to get it to the to a committee where you can make sure you can get it out in and out. Of course. Yeah. So you get it in and out, get your vote, bring it back. Yeah. And you know that you're you're then feeling pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> now if if what happened in the Senate somebody changes it as they did and they usually do mm -hmm. and then you got the one from the house and the one from the senate and you got to work out the the changes in a way that the other place agrees sure and then yep. when you get it down you got a final vote and then you got to be then you got to go to the governor's office and you got to get the governor to pass right <laughs> it's a it is not easily done. Sure. Yeah, it's a complex process. Yeah, it is. It's a complex process. Properly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want a bunch of mishmash. Right, of course. No, yeah, you don't, yeah. Cause other problems. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it isn't complicated um, in a clumsy way. Right. It is, uh, it's complicated to assure it's safe. <laughs> right, right. And when people were voting on legislation, did you have an idea of how people were going to vote uh, before they voted? Well, um, you'd like to. Yeah. You want to have. Right. And if you, um, if you're down to bringing up a bill in a committee or in a, in one of the houses, and you don't know what the vote is, you're not a very good legislator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how important would you say it was? in the General Assembly to work with the other party? Well, in my view, yeah. essential. Yeah. In uh, some people's views, um, idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm very, very much, uh, uh, you know, if, if you can avoid outright conflict by a major a major group mm -hmm. that are going to affect your outcome yeah that's <laughs> I mean yeah it makes sense logic tells you how to do that yeah but uh, frankly I just enjoy that more I, sure 
Would you say that the interactions between Democrats and Republicans, generally speaking, were, were pretty good and friendly? Oh, they were fine. Yeah. Sure. I hung around with yeah. Democrats socially after. Yeah, yeah, right. Bob Rock, who became a Democrat mm-hmm. governor later, Bob was Bob and I are very good friends. Yeah. From Anderson. Mm-hmm. We were. You know, I, uh, the O'Bannons, uh, it was just, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What would you say the public does not know about the General Assembly and how it operates? Um, people that, um, I find that difficult to answer because mm-hmm. I think there are very different perceptions right. uh, by different people. Sure. I think it would be tough to judge this is mm-hmm. the perception. Right. Um, there are people that don't understand it that would say something like, oh, you got a bunch of hacks down there that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that are completely don't understand Mm-hmm. the process. Um, but I think most people who um, really seriously are familiar with the process of government generally right. can find disappointments here and there, mm-hmm. but the process is tough to replace. Yeah. I can't think of a better solution <laughs> right. for our company, our, our country, excuse me, yeah. our country. I can't think of a better solution than the federal government and the state governments we have. Mm-hmm. I am hesitant, for instance, I hear people talking about we ought to give up the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always say, remember, historically, we are the United States Mm -hmm. of America. The United States. We have a group of states who decided to do this together. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, those states are important. They're different. But we, we have a, an amalgamation of 50 different states mm-hmm. together. And yeah. uh, uh, somebody wants to take over all states and be like mine. You know, so California wants mm-hmm. all 50 states to be like California. Or, uh, I heard someone saying this morning, ah, uh, uh, a lot of people are moving from California to Texas, and they're going to turn Texas blue. Mm-hmm. That's right. People are moving from California to Texas because they don't like what they saw in California, right. and they aren't blue voters. They're yeah. going to be red voters in right. Texas. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to get out of that. And here I'm going. Right. And um, the states are different. Sure. Wyoming is a heck of a lot different than Vermont. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's a fair analysis. It, it, uh, I'm, 
and that's all part of this governing. And I, mm -hmm. it's, um, I have great respect for what we've developed and the sure. way it operates. And yeah. So do you think that there should be more people that are, are more aware of government and how it works? Absolutely. Um, their life depends upon it. Yeah. Let's see. What would you say was the most controversial issue uh, during your time in the General Assembly? Well, I can tell you, mm -hmm. the one that got the most letters yeah. was Johnson grass. How hmm. to control Johnson grass. That's interesting. Was the number one issue for letters to the House of Representatives. Wow. I think I recall that. The control <laughs> of Johnson grass. That is interesting. It, the, the, you know, you'd be surprised that, that if you mm -hmm. judge the mail that you get and yeah. so on. Uh, often surprising. Yeah, yeah. Well, what piece of legislation was, was hardest that you were involved in? Hardest? Um, I don't know that I know what that means. I guess which one was like the, the most complex piece of legislation required the most work on it to get it the way you wanted, perhaps, or? Well, um, the most innocuous can be hard. Mm -hmm. um, it can be difficult. Yeah. Maybe difficult is a sure. is the word. Um, Every piece of legislation is difficult. It's got to be planned right, as we were talking. Yeah. Um, I think the maybe the most emotional ones mm -hmm. are the yeah are the ones that get you. Right. Um, well, back in the days that I was there, I think probably the the most emotional issues were um, getting to be school finance. Mm. I think was very emotional. Yeah. Um, it is not understood well. Yeah. Uh, it involves so many people with students, uh, so many teachers. It's got a well-organized lobby, both for and against. Yeah. Uh, it's a major part of the budget. Uh, it has to do with state tax, and it has a lot to do with local tax. Um, it has pride from academic scholarships to uh, basketball teams. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so I would suspect that I would, giving it enough time, would probably think the most emotional deals uh, that the legislature has, one of them is, is school financing. Yeah, yeah. 
what was your proudest moment as a legislator? To get elected. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Good answer. <laughs> what about the biggest hurdle you had to overcome during your time as a legislator? Personal or? Uh, sure. Personal, it was uh, getting married on the 19th of November. Yeah. And then starting the session right away. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And the, the first few weeks of, first two or three months of marriage. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, with my wife teaching in Muncie and my being in the legislature. Yeah. What, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? Well, the General Assembly has the responsibility and authority to give the support and the tools to state government. And state mm -hmm. government in Indiana is, uh, has control over so many functions right. of life. Um, if you uh, has the functionary responsibility of staying out of the way mm -hmm. in some areas, yeah. religion, mm -hmm. <laughs> of, uh, of being a welcome partner if indeed there is a vigorous private school right. uh, environment whether that's higher education or post-secondary or secondary or sure. grammar. Um, it, um, it sets the tone, I think, for relationships. Mm -hmm. um, the difference between, um, I'm proud to be a Hoosier and uh, Indiana has more manufacturing per citizen than any state in the Union. And uh, Indiana sells more ducks than any state in the <laughs> Union. And all those, you know, many facts. Uh, right. Hoosiers play basketball well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there are so many things that uh, you can have a sense of pride in, uh, in uh, if you if you make Indiana uh, more than a basketball team, but make it a a real sense of pride. Yeah. And uh, pride that you want to make uh, you want to make it work well. Right. Like a like a a child or, or an ancestor. Mm -hmm. You want to you want to be proud of it. You yeah. want to you want to talk up the points where it's great, and maybe you overlook the warts. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and be happy about being a Hoosier. Right, right. And, and of uh, if you're happy about it, uh, we'll find a way to work out the problems. And it might take a legislature, or it might take a uh, a Super Bowl, or yeah. it might, might take other things, but we can be happy as Hoosiers. You don't have to, right. you know, be sad and yeah. upset. And sure. So, how would you summarize your time as a legislator? Summarize my yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, I was a neophyte, mm -hmm. uh, had good friends. It was a tumultuous uh, environment compared to other years when you consider. Um, the Republican House and the Tide Senate and the Democrat Governor and the mm -hmm. Republican Lieutenant Governor. Yeah, it was uh, it was a a world that uh, wasn't steady. Right, it was unsteady. Um, so, in that environment, uh, uh, perhaps it was uh, more exciting. Mm -hmm. Than it might have been in a sleepy, sure, yeah, <laughs> session today. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite story or anecdote from your time as a legislator? I think the um, <clears throat> the biggest. I think if I were starting to describe that to someone who knew legislators mm -hmm. from another state, I'd say it started out with a big smile when the, mm -hmm. when the holdovers from the last session said to the freshmen coming in this year, we're going to have an hour and a half meeting of the holdovers mm -hmm. to organize the house. Yeah. <laughs> and we said, yeah. too bad those old guys can't come. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that began, right. began with a... Yeah. Yep. Uh, what lessons, if any, did you learn as legislator? Um, oh, I learned learn something every day. Um, and I think uh, that there is lots of structure and lots of history and lots of theory about government and so on, but uh, the the big thing you you can't forget every minute is that it's people. Yeah, and that's yeah, it's people. Yeah, true. And it isn't you know everything is people. Yep, pretty much. I've often said, and uh, I've been more of a businessman mm -hmm. in a. But I've always said, uh, 
you get the challenge, no matter what business you're in, the challenge is to run people, customers, technology, mm -hmm. facilities, and money yep. in that order. Yeah. And on the drive to work every day, if you just think I've got two or three unique things I ought to be doing in each of those areas, and I mm -hmm. ought to be ahead of the stream in each of those areas. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be a leader. Yeah. 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 Did you have any any uh, regrets as a legislator? Oh yeah. Uh, I. Uh, I did not get every bill I voted for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one. Um, My general, my general reaction to having served is not one where I would remember regrets. It's one where I sincerely um, felt blessed to have the opportunity. Really, I uh, I gleamed so much from that that I uh, I hardly could have any regrets. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? Win. Win? <laughs> <laughs> you can't win, you don't have to worry about voting. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Let's see, uh, down to the last few questions here. Uh, how has the state changed over the course of your lifetime? Um, Indiana has taken a uh, much more of a leadership profile hmm. in the country. Um, the typical New York, California uh, flyover uh, uh, most people uh, in New York would fly to California and not recognize there's anything in between. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think the Midwest uh, is more highly appreciated and recognized than it used to be. And I think Indiana has done a better job than any of the near Midwest. Uh, maybe Ohio. Mm -hmm. Indiana and Ohio, I think, have just increased in sophistication, uh, in um, stature compared to uh, all of the other mm -hmm. states. Illinois is, you know, there's Chicago, but the, the city of Chicago image and the uh, uh, state of Illinois have just not been able to 
keep the image up. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Chicago has that image of a great place for young kids or something, but it's losing that mm -hmm. as the state becomes uh, so idiotically um, built on the bad judgments by the legislature. Just Interesting. terrible. Hmm. It's an indication of how important the legislature is. Yeah. Um, if you look at Indiana and Ohio, they've done good things. Hmm. Um, we we were tagged some what about the difference between uh, Lake County and Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Southern Indiana, <laughs> but I think those differences are moderating and not uh, becoming uh, greater. I think right. they're they're lessening. Um, uh, Northern Indiana has become a part of Indiana. Um, they don't want to be a part of Chicago. <laughs> you know, they're proud to be part of. Northern Indiana, I think. <laughs> and we're proud to have them. Yeah. They, for a while, they were sort of <laughs> floating off to be part of Chicago. Yeah. Um, the uh, southern part of the state has uh, grown in sophistication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I I think I'm I'm very proud of Indiana and think uh, we have, as time goes, we have increased our position relative to other states. Yeah, that's great. Uh, how has the Indiana General Assembly changed over time? Um. The operation of the General Assembly is much more complicated. The, uh, the sophistication of legislation, uh, not every bill, but many of them, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, uh, the conflict between uh, modes of information and government, right? Um, the uh, uh, the complication in financial transactions, um, the sophistication of the higher education world, uh, have all led to. Uh, I think. In many ways, the legislature runs fast and has its tongue out trying to keep up <laughs> right. uh, with with several of those mm -hmm. fast-moving major elements of life. Yeah. Um, but I have great faith that the process mm -hmm. is good. Good. Okay. 
Uh, do you think that politics has changed much in Indiana? Yes. It's, uh, um, there's not deep bipartisan mm. political respect mm. that there once was. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I don't know that I would have as much enjoyment today yeah. in the legislature as mm -hmm. I had before. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have as much fun running for right. public, public office mm -hmm. as I had before. There is this tendency to really build extreme vitriol um, positions mm -hmm. against personalities mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, have a good discussion of issues. Yeah. Why do you think that has developed? Um, it's all because of the damn Democrats. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it saddens me. Right. It saddens me because um, it's a magnification in both parties. It's a magnification of the bitterness of the attractiveness of being bitter mm -hmm. and uh, of trying to accomplish something by exercising bitter and that um, I'm a um, staunch Christian mm -hmm. and um, it just ain't good yeah <laughs> yeah Interesting. Um, Certainly is not Benedictine. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosers still have or hold dear? I think there's a, uh, a healthy pride mm -hmm. uh, that we all share as Hoosiers. Right. Uh, I think there's a um, a higher degree of patriotism in Indiana than there mm -hmm. is in New York or California. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm just proud to be a Hoosier. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Last question, uh, what do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? Um, I think it is healthy when Hoosiers know what's going on in the General Assembly. What are the issues? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think high school seniors mm -hmm. know a lot less 
today about um, government in general. Mm -hmm. um, that may be because there are more of them. <laughs> uh, more kids in high school. Uh, there are probably more kids graduating from high school today, higher percentage than, than 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but they're certainly not as well prepared. Um, that's, uh, that's sad because I don't know of any educator that wants it that way. Right, of course. Uh, and the problem is that it ain't good for them. Right, yeah. <laughs> True. Personally, yeah. it just is not. Yeah, it's not good to have kids unaware. Right. No, I feel so sorry for them. I really do. Yeah. Um. I wish there was some way I could pray them into <laughs> ambition and mm -hmm. excitement. We, we can sure grow hogs and grow corn and grow soybeans. Uh, I'd love to find out some way to grow ambition. Mm -hmm. Well, um, is there anything that we haven't covered or talked about that you would like to, to say? Or? Yeah, I'd like to say I'm impressed by the state historian. Oh, <laughs> very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well... I'm glad he came from Kansas to Indiana, and I hope he stays. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm really glad to be here, and thank you so much for being a part of this. This has been great. So Good. I can turn off the recording here. and.